Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another Fan Fuel Motorsports podcast. This is the podcast where fans fuel talk about motorsports. Today is episode 33. We have a wonderful guest coming on in a little bit, and that is Raja Caruth. Hello, hello. Can I? Hello. All right. Yeah, I got you now. All right. What's up, man? Cool. I had to have my uh, hotspot on because hotel Wi-Fi wasn't working. Yeah, I think we've all encountered that problem. So how was the ride up to Martinsville, man? Uh, Pretty uneventful. Just had some traffic of 85, but overall it was a smooth drive for the most part. And grabbed some food, and then now we're here. All right. Well, uh, I don't know um, how long uh, you want to stay on tonight, but we got a full slate if you're ready for that. I mean, I you got, could probably go on for a couple hours, man. Man, I ain't got no homework due tonight, so we'll get this done however long y'all need it to be. All right. All right Colton is back. Action. So uh, I'm Alex. I'm uh, the one you've been texting with back and forth for the past couple of weeks. Got Nathan below me. And then mm-hmm. to, the, to my right, the left, I'm not sure that's Colton. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've been going on for a while now. Um, Hell yeah. We basically had a full show. We've been waiting for you. Glad you finally got on. Thanks for coming on, too, man. Uh, you are the first driver that we've had on, and we are totally excited for it. Uh, so, yeah. everyone, welcome in, Roger Cruz. And we are saying your name right, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for uh, Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. I uh, Again, I apologize for the tardiness. I was under the impression that we were going to leave at, like, 5 in the morning tomorrow, but decided to come tonight. That was okay. not my decision. So that that was a unforecasted development that literally came about like at lunchtime today. So word, we've had some very interesting conversations. Yeah, yeah. times. You're good. <laughs> yeah. So um, before we uh, kind of jump right into it, um, so what's going on uh, with you at Martinsville this weekend? Are you going to be racing in the Super Late Model Three Hundred Lapper? So yeah, so I'll be racing in the Valley Star Credit Union Three Hundred or attempting to make the field for that race. Um, and I'm excited. It'll be the biggest race of my career so far. Um, and I, I feel like, I, or I think they are changing up the format due to the Hoosier tire shortage. So it won't be heat races. It'll just be top 40 or top 42 qualify in. So um, that'll even put a more of an emphasis on the four hours of testing that we have tomorrow. So um, I'm excited for this race, this is a track that I've watched on TV. I've, I've like seen since I was like 10, right? And I get to race here for the first time and get some on-track experience before we make an Xfinity start here next year. So um, I'm extremely excited and hopefully our testing tomorrow goes good and then we can make the show on Saturday. Yeah, hopefully so. That would be a very big race to be in. even. Even if you uh, even if you didn't finish high up the standings, even being a part of that elite uh, group of guys, that is the biggest race in asphalt late model racing. If um, it was my opinion only, I'm not sure how other people rank that sort of racing and stuff. But um, Thursday night, uh, we've talked about every other race we were waiting to get you on. Uh, you you started off the show at Bristol uh, in the Arca cars, and I got to say, I, I told you when we were texting that was a hell of a save that you had there. So you were racing with with a guy that was running with a championship and Corey Heim. I mean, tell us about that moment because that was probably the biggest moment of the race 
um, in, in my opinion. So when I set up that pass, um, basically, I think this is a whole can of worm, whole can of worms that probably shouldn't go into for professionalism purposes. But passing a lap car, one of like eighteen that were, I would say, below minimum speed there, um, and so especially like that first run of the race, the car was really good, and I was able to turn from the concrete into that grip stuff, and that's how I was able to get position on Corey there, and he just didn't. He turned down like I wasn't there. Um, I spoke to him after. He said uh, Spotter didn't tell him, and he didn't have a left side mirror. So, but that's that's whatever happened happened. But um, I got pretty fortunate there not to wreck that race car. Um, I've had some pretty crazy or hectic moments, I think, in the ARCA car this year from. I guess missing um, Dick Doheny's spin at uh, at Dover and um, missing Rex and avoiding them at Bristol and um, avoiding slow traffic at Pensacola, right? And I think the only time this year that I've really had a made a mistake, like I guess car control wise, was at Milwaukee. And luckily the TV didn't show it. But I'm gonna expose myself here. But on last lap for 13th, I knocked the right rear off of our uh, Ilmore or the Elmore car that I race for zero reason. So overall back to Bristol. Um, that was a pretty fun race and we should have ran third. Like that, that was how good our car was. We just had like a, our track bar was, wasn't secure for whatever reason. So it was like constantly like lowering itself throughout that mid portion of the race. That's why we fell back to like 15th. Um, and we got to fix that at that last break. And then I could go back forward again and, ended up finishing six while being the only car besides the 18 that was running 15 second laps at the end of the end of the night. So, um, if we had a restart there, it could have, should have, would have, but that's racing. So, um, I think going to having two of my best runs so far in that East car be at as treacherous of tracks as Dover and Bristol, I feel like that's something to be respectful about, I would say. Yeah, and, and and you're not only racing those guys in the E series at that point. You're racing you're racing the likes of, like we said, Corey Heim, but also Ty Gibbs, who's probably uh, going to be a, a really massive NASCAR prospect for the next few years, uh, maybe even down the road Cup champion. Like, how does it feel to be able to race with with that caliber of of guys with with just a short career that you've had? Um, I think it's it's honestly crazy, Alex, because like. I mean, it's people that I watch on TV, right? And it's weird because they're, like, around the same age or a little bit older than me. But then I've been racing for three years, and these guys have been in ARCA cars or K&N cars for three total years, right? And um, I think competing at them at this – competing with them at this level and not just riding around, right? Like, I think that's testament to the people at Rev, um, people that have helped develop me as a driver and as a young man, Um just because of all the things that I guess we have to to uh, navigate as developing as a, as a driver and having a lot of eyes on you. And so to be able to produce quality runs, um, I think that's a testament to the people that are around me. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you brought up Rev Racing. I, I, um, I told these guys and I, and I texted you about it. Uh, I did have a couple of questions myself about this. I, 
of course, Nathan and Colton, they, the, the floor is open for you guys to chime in uh, with any of your questions. But when it comes to Rev Racing, I mean, let, let's let's you know call it what it is. They've they've always been kind of a a race team that has has a had a minority focus when it comes to drivers, um, and I. I know that you've got a team around you like that, but do you think that um, that is something that gives you a little bit of a big shoe to fill? Because when, when you say minority drivers, you're like, ah, well, you know, you think of, you think of the fact that, you know, people might be, you know, you know, hateful towards you or so whatever, because you're minority. But when you look at it, you've got three big time drivers out there with Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez who have come through um, that program. So how does that make you feel because you're coming up the same way that they did? Um, I mean, it's kind of two-sided there, Alex. Like, it's, um, it's, I guess, uh, I don't know what the word is, probably some what uh, of a positive feeling to be in their footsteps or, I guess, in, in the trails that they kind of blazed, right, and be able to – go along their way but at the same time all three of those guys already had like external contracts going forward right like for example um larson was already signed through ganassi and did stuff with turner scott before going over there for the next year soros was already signed with gibbs same with bubba right. right so they already had external programs where they were getting to race um nationwide cars or trucks or more canon or arca races right um so there's a it's it's two sided in the fact that all right it's 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 great to have an opportunity to not have to worry about the finances of racing but at the same time not having that next parts of your career planned out like they had and having it I wouldn't say guaranteed but but pretty set in stone with with the funding and partners that they had behind them in addition to the proven talent that they had so um, I think that's kind of a two sided a two sides of the coin right of all right. I'm, I've got a chance, but do I have a chance? Because I don't have millions of dollars of sponsorship or, or manufacturer truly backing me. So, Yeah, so I did yeah. want to touch um, real quick. Um, I'll bring up this comment here. Um, how did you get into racing? So I read an article where you said your first race was, I believe you were in seventh grade and your family kind of took you to Richmond without you knowing about it. Um, was that kind of your start into it or did you have, I'd assume you had a little bit of understanding of it before where you, you know, you were a fan of NASCAR. Um, you weren't just kind of going in blind. Um, but how did you kind of get your start into actually driving cars? Yeah, Colton. So that race was the first race that I attended. Um, I think that was the first race check that I saw like with my own eyes. Um, and I had seen like, like, for example, like for whatever reason, there was, there was an Ikea in College Park, Maryland. And in like 2011, I saw a Dale Jr. show car there, a National Guard one. That, that was kind of, that's like an odd memory that I had. But I think before that first race in 2014, I mean, I was a, as big of a fan as you can really get as a kid, right? I, I didn't grow up going to the racetrack. I didn't grow up in a racing family. I was born in Atlanta, raised in Brooklyn, New York, and Washington, D.C., three places that are removed largely from the the world of, of stock car racing or really any racing in general. So I purely, purely got it from getting a little die cast and um, the cars movie, obviously. And um, in addition to seeing it on TV, 
like one of the first races I remember watching is the 09 Carfax 250 where um, Brad Kozlowski won it. I remember that one and um, watching some stuff in 2011. So um, that's kind of how that interest really started. Um, and it just really grew over time. Like I used to have this YouTube channel and it unfortunately got taken down because copyright. But um, yeah. really, it, uh, I made stop motions. I did NASCAR 15 playthroughs. I did reaction videos to races, right? I was really the... Yeah. 12 year old typical nascar super fan um and fortunate i was fortunate to be able to continue that fandom and turn that into trying to make a career out of it um and like through drive for diversity like that was the only way that was really going to happen um just because of of really all the variables that they helped take care of and um just it all really worked out um it's hard to really put into words how opportune everything was and has been so far. Yeah. And um, I guess with that being said, I have a little random question, if you want to call it that. Um, I saw on your social media pages, you post a lot of your carding activities at GoPro and places like that. And, you know, as somebody who's big into carding, I want to know, like, what from it can you take into, you know, your everyday job? Like, what can you take into racing cars from your carts? So that's a good question, Nathan. Like, so kind of backtrack, I, I'm pretty new into the karting world in general compared to some of my counterparts that have, like, for example, Nick has raced karts since he was a kid. Same with Isabella. Ty has raced go-karts for a long time and, and so on. So um, I'm pretty new in that department, but luckily I was able to get um, a KA cart of my own to practice with and have been racing rentals at GoPro for the last year and some change and um i think the the thing that's most helpful about doing those on a weekly basis is just working on it physically like the the muscles that you use in your hands and your neck and your ribs like that is not something that you can work out in a gym right that's there's no there's yes there's certain risk exercises that you can do but there's no better repetition there's no better preparation than actually doing it and obviously you're not driving a go-kart like a stock car there's different uh habits and and different techniques that you do in karting that aren't applicable to heavy stock cars but some of the approach some of the just general basics are things that are to practice on whether it's hitting your marks every lap or keeping your tires on you or just being smoother with your hands right that's things that apply to stock cars so that's the thing that's useful to me um and honestly like especially after excuse me, after that first time that I got in one, I was pretty sore. I'm about to sneeze. No, I'm not about to sneeze. So um, <laughs> um, that first time I got in a, in that KA cart, I was sore for like four whole days and I was in it last week and I was totally fine. And like I did it on Tuesday and raced to Bristol on Thursday and I was felt great. So um, I think it, it's helped me physically um, just because I also did not grow up right, working on, on cars. I did not work, grow up being an, an outsider or being outsider, or I guess doing labor and stuff. Like I was a city kid that played sports, right? That's how I was, I guess, strained athletically or physically, not through labor, but through sports. So that's been a thing to adjust to too, is to actually like doing hard work versus, um, and not to say other sports aren't work, right? Like you, you've got your two a day practices for a couple of hours and you work on your craft to get better, but it's kind of different, uh, 
different preparation in that aspect as well. Yeah, that that was a, a great explanation on Cardi. That's awesome. obviously, uh, or I should say, that's honestly something that I wouldn't have even thought about. So I'm glad that you brought that up, Nathan. That was a, a, a fantastic answer from Raja. Like, that is something um, that not most people are going to know about because you don't see carding as much as you do right. in Europe here in the States. Um, so if you're not an open wheel fan, you don't know that these guys go out here and train like that. So um, it, it's kind of a unique, um, a new, unique, I guess, observation for guys like me who come from a dirt background. And I would never think of anything like that. I'm thinking, you know, uh, where, what are we trained for in dirt? We, you know, you got, you got throttle control and, you know, how, how quickly your reaction times with your hands are. And, and, and it's just, that's, that's really interesting. I do kind of want to steer it back though. Um, I'm, I'm going to hit you with a pretty hard question. You, you kind of hit on some of the points that I wanted to ask you about, um, which was uh, that you were, you were born in Atlanta, raised in Brooklyn, raised in, in DC, and you, you were an athlete. Uh, I, I think on your website, it said you were a former track star. I do want to know, kind of who is Raja Karuth? Like, you know, you're all these things, you're all these backgrounds. I mean, uh, said your family is, uh, has Caribbean uh, heritage. Like who, who are you? What was your kind of upbringing and, and, and who do you, you know, present yourself as maybe not, not in public, but kind of behind closed doors? That's a, that's a good question. I still kind of try to figure that out. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel I most of my childhood memories are in DC, so I'll consider myself being from there. Um, I played soccer and basketball. Basketball was the first sport I played. Then I ran track in middle school. And to be completely honest, fellas, like if I didn't end up racing, and I'm glad that I am fortunate to to be able to race so far, I would have probably ran track in college just because of how things were kind of going on the 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 state or the, the DC area level, I guess for me. Um, but I guess who am I? Um, I mean, it's weird because racing is like, I haven't been racing that long, but I've been in or, um, obsessed with it for as long as I can remember. So it's really a part of my intensity It's a part of my, um, my routine, my thought process, my kind of checks and balances in my head. So I would say, racing and NASCAR in particular is like a big part of, of who I am at heart. Um, I think family obviously has a, a big role there. And, um, I, I feel like I value the well being of people a lot, um, probably to a fault, I would say over my own. Um, and I mean, besides that, I like watching basketball on TV. Um, I like get on iRacing a lot. Um, I'm not really that much of a gamer though. Like, I never was really a, a gamer gamer as I was growing up. Like I would play GTA or no correction. I got GTA last year because my mom didn't let me get it. So I was like 18. <laughs> and then um, I played Minecraft, Battlefield, oh, dude, 2K. Minecraft. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like I used to, me and my friend Robert used to go on like uh, like faction servers and stuff and just like hang out on there. Um, man, that just unlocked a whole memory. But I would say... At the end of the day, I feel like I'm just a guy that is have, feels like he knows his purpose. And I know a lot of people don't have that, so I feel very fortunate to have some clarity on what I think it is, and I'm going to do my best to kind of act upon it. So 
Man, you touched on a huge note in Minecraft. I'll talk to you later. And man, uh, I am huge into that. Uh, I want, I also read that you got, I think it was last year. When you were 17, you got your permit and you were driving around. And your mom hated you driving because you drove with two feet. Is she still super skeptical about that? Does she, does, is she all right with it now? So... Oh, that was a funny story. So we had went to one of our family's houses that lives in the Charlotte area, and um, I just got my permit, right? And and uh, it was a situation of uh, I started driving with two feet, and then she was like, nope, we're not doing that. And so yeah. I'm sorry, Mom, but sometimes I drive with two feet if I need to get somewhere fast. But I'm still law-abiding, though. <laughs> I am not speeding, making that abundantly clear. We're not speeding. Yeah. But I do – drive with two feet sometimes even though my car that um is a 2007 Acura mdx does not have a clutch but it's weird because i just like i like i feel like i can be more precise driving with two feet so yeah and to be completely clear i have my full driver's license now i gotta get it converted okay. to north carolina yeah. but yes here's my full driver's license <laughs> i'm not going to tell you when i got it because i feel like that's a, a meme so I, I'm, I'm the same. I drive with two feet everywhere I go, but that's just because the brakes of my truck suck. So, <laughs> so I wanted to know about that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. man, um, <laughs> pretty wholesome guy. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we got you on here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I know we all have a lot of other questions for you. Um, I did want to ask you something myself, though, um, as everybody else is formulating their other questions. Um. I know I asked you kind of who you were, and that was a big one. Um, but you know what? What what is it like um, knowing that there are guys out there like you? Um, you know, because we're all in the same boat. We're super passionate fans. We're on here. We're making podcasts and stuff. Uh, eventually, all of us want to move to the to the Charlotte area. Um, maybe not Nathan. He hasn't decided yet. Um, oh, I'll be there. Be. Yeah, okay, he, he's going to be there. You know, I, I would love to be someone in, in like marketing and stuff, maybe maybe even a spotter or something like that. Colton wants to get up there. Uh, Nathan wants to be a, 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 metal, a medical person, uh, personnel, and in, in maybe even the sport. I mean, how, do, how does it feel knowing that you've kind of gotten to that point? Um, I mean, how did you feel because – you've gotten to that point, but in a non-traditional driver way, right? Because you've only been doing this three years. You won your first late model race. So that kind of helps. You were basically I racing before you were real racing. Like how does it feel to get there as just that passionate fan? Man. I mean, it is pretty surreal and I've got to remind myself sometimes to not be, to be more, um, I guess, wide open and be more, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, take better advantage of like time that I have and, and opportunity opportunities that I get just because like, to your point, Alex, like there's this one dude that I used to race on NASCAR 15 against, uh, his name's Matthew. And, um, like we, like a group of us were all racing one night and some, some of them got mad, obviously, as one does when you get on NASCAR 15 on the PlayStation. Right. And, um, Basically, I, I, I don't know what the whole context of it was, but one line came up and it was a situation of, um, 
well, some of us may never get to race in real life, and this is as close as we'll, as we'll get. So I haven't forgotten that ever. And at that point, I, I didn't have anything lined up. There was – that wasn't – I was probably in like seventh or eighth grade at that point, so it wasn't a situation of I, I know that this is what I'm going to do. Um, and that kind of puts into perspective for me just because I'm very fortunate to have had the chance to get to where I'm at now, if, even if I don't get to continue after – the end of this year or the end of next year, right? I've had a chance to, to drive. And that's something that some people have wanted to do for their entire lives. Some people that have, some people have never gotten to do that. So um, I feel a lot of, I feel like I, I, I wouldn't say represent, but I feel like I can, I do my, my chance, my best to allow people to live vicariously through me um, for being able to, to live their dreams right um like some of my friends you know garrison malik jordan like garrison's especially like you know everybody wanted to race and for various reasons you know it just didn't work out for them with for however why that happened um and so i feel like i just try to do the best that i can to take advantage of it just because like some people never got that chance yeah yeah big mood right there Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, I'll give you another random one. Um, it's something I've always wanted to know. I've never got a chance to ask a driver this and it's, if you could only pick one track to drive on for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? I'll say right now, I'll give you three. So I'll say Hickory. Right. I like that place. Right. It's pretty hard. And things change there a lot. I think with, yeah. with grooves and, and, other stuff like i feel like that's a, a great track i could race at for a while um dover i think um i enjoyed dover a lot um yeah that's a good one i would say pensacola too i, I liked pensacola a lot um that would be my top three hopefully i can say uh i like martinsville too uh, just because yeah. i've been watching that place for a while and i hope it it is as fun as it looks tomorrow and I'll let you know if it is. Yeah, great choices. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, those are three awesome, awesome mm-hmm. tracks. I've heard Martinsville's tough for your first few times you go there. Um, but you're going to be racing, hopefully, in the super late model race at Martinsville. You're going to be racing against guys like Josh Berry. Um, I don't know if uh, any of the other big name super late model guys are going to well, be in it. Go ahead, Alex. Oh no, Josh Berry's not going to be there this weekend. Yeah, he's going to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, oh, gonna, that's right. You're going to be subbing for a net. Stupid me. Yeah, he's subbing for a net. So, so I guess uh, um, Bubba Pollard and the like are probably going to be there. Bubba Pollard, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking of. I couldn't think of his name. So, um, in terms of late model guys, so it's, uh, and I, I don't mean to be like a smart butt, but so it's late model stocks, not super late models. So, okay. Um, but yeah, there are you. some super late model guys and pro late model guys coming to race. Steven Nassie, Bubba Pollard, Corey Heim, um, Sammy Smith. Um, there's probably some others that I'm forgetting that race supers, but I don't really know the super the super world that well of Florida and Georgia and Alabama. But a lot of those guys are coming up for this race. Um, you've got your uh, your Mike Looney's, your Peyton Sellers. Um, really, the the best um, really around. From racing at Kingsport and South Boston at Hickory at Greenville Pickens, Florence, uh, uh, 
Dominion, like the best in the country, right? So if we can make the, my goal is really just to make the race, um, and which I feel like we can do, and I would really like to. And from then on, as long as I don't, we don't tear up stuff, like I feel like it'll be okay night. I would love to win, but everybody wants to win. And it's kind of, especially for being my first time there and really that the first race that I'm racing against real grown men and not rich kids, like it'll be um, a real test. So if we can make the race and not tear stuff up, I feel like that'll be a solid night. Yeah, I, I kind of feel a little bit bad now because I know uh, specifically Dale Jr. always talks about on his podcast how prolate model stocks are are the uh i guess essential race car to be in and uh i'm sitting here thinking this is a super race just because it's big um so honestly myself like i'm not into big big into the asphalt late model scene uh that's something that i've recently started getting into so i'm really not well versed in anything i know all of the drivers that you said and the tracks but i've never actually really watched racing in that uh because i'm i'm coming from a dirt background so Right. I, I, we'll, we'll all three definitely be uh, watching and, and rooting for you. Um, uh, for in in the in, in this weekend, so that you can get in the race. Sorry, uh, it's been a long night already. <laughs> um, so we we've got more questions um, based on your career, based on your um, personal preferences, even uh, within and when. Uh, within and, and not within the sport, but we have a comment right here uh, from Cheyenne mm, Sims, uh, and she is giving us a really good question for you. What are some things that you do to mentally prepare for a race? Oh, this is a good question, Cheyenne. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, I don't have a, a set routine yet, um, and I probably should make one of a, a process that I do pre-race, right? So I um, kind of I feel like I need to figure that out. So I don't have uh, some things that I usually do. I've got some good luck charms, which I I was thinking about this on the van ride up because we've been rushing for the last like three days. I really hope that I brought them. Yes, I brought them. So I've got some good luck charms that I'd like touch and stuff before the race. So I've got this little die cast. Hmm. Oh, right. Hell yeah. Um, okay. I got this the first summer I lived in North Carolina, which was two years ago. Um, I went to the DEI museum. That was before it got closed, um, I guess, pre-COVID. And then, so this is from my granddad. So um, he lives in London now. So those are my really two look, two good luck charms. Also got bracelet from my girlfriend too. So that that's kind of my my trifecta there of, uh, of good luck charms, I guess. I don't have a routine. Um, I try to find some place to get to myself a little bit before practice or at some point just to like check in and make sure I'm ready to go. Um, besides that, I don't have really any, any process. I probably should to be completely honest, but. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, as, as young as you are, I mean, that's probably something that comes. I mean, you probably got guys like Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin who are out there just pacing themselves mentally each week um, that we don't even see because they're doing it in the hauler or something. But I do want to say you've got the, uh, like you said, the trifecta there. Uh, you got the Dale Earnhardt diecast. You know, do it for Dale. We're all about that. But um, you, you uh, weren't born before Dale passed. So I do have to ask, what is your connection to the man that you did not even get to see race? How, how is how is that? Um, 
so there's no real connection there, Alex. Um, I feel like that's uh, that's just an iconic name and iconic number in paint scheme. But on top of that, what I've heard, the stories that I've been told from people that work at the shop with me and people that I look up to and speak to, the stories that I've heard about him have been just aside from really how Dale drove on the racetrack, but for the person that he was away from the racetrack, that is something that I feel like I, I respect and admire just because of, like I said earlier, like it's important personally to, for me to respect people and to feel like make people feel like they, they are cared about and are listened to. And so from what I've been told, that is kind of a, and obviously there's difference between, you know, it's, you go to race day to compete, right? But there's times away from the racetrack. And um, I mean, that's uh, that's kind of my whole thought process there. But like you said, Alex, like that was before me. Like I have no concept of the gravity of what he did for this sport. I grew up at a time when Jimmy Johnson won half the championships for the years yeah. that I was alive. <laughs> so crazy. So, um that is, I hate to make y'all feel old. Nathan, you're probably closer to yeah, me in age. 2002. So, okay, same. All right. Yeah, so, so, um, <laughs> yeah, that that's the the connection I would say to the three. But besides that, I don't really have any any other connections. But my Irish and car looks kind of similar to his. So, you know, with Hell that, yeah. um, I guess I'll ask you a basic one. Like I've asked kind of oddball questions for the last couple ones, so. I try to do this for every person I meet and I want to ask them like you're every guest that has done this before, but I got to know, like what's your favorite paint scheme of all time? My favorite paint scheme of all time. It has to be, uh, I loved the, uh, I loved the good wrench Kevin Harvick ones. I liked Kevin Harvick's, uh, shell ones mm -hmm. and his Jimmy John slash Reem ones that were like, black through the center white on the sides i love those but i would say my fate one of my favorite ones of all time was the jimmy johnson 2009 lowe's car that had like the red accents on the swooshes on the doors um yeah that that was probably one of my favorite cars i i love the car tomorrow like some people just hated it i heard it's, it was terrible to drive but um i just loved watching because that's like a car that I like seeing on TV. I would get the 164s and break the winglets off and just have it be a blade <laughs> on the back. So, um, yeah, that was that's probably my favorite paint scheme. I mean, those are great choices. So I love all the ones you mentioned. Yeah. So, touching on that, I want to know when you were growing up as a fan, who was your guy that you rooted for every week? Because I'm a Blaney fan. I'm a diehard Blaney fan. Who was your guy when you were watching every week? Or who is Let your guy ask. now? So is that a Dave Blaney or Ryan Blaney? Ryan Blaney. Well, I Ryan was fan of Dave in the Dirt Series. Oh, I, see. I see. I see. Cool. So growing up, um, Jimmy Johnson was who I pulled for. Um, I liked Kevin Harvick. I liked Jeff Burton. Um, liked, um thought Carl Edwards was cool when he was nice and not wrecking people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, those were the guys that I really liked growing up, primarily Jimmy Johnson, though, just because, like I had alluded to earlier, just the champion and the person that he was off the racetrack. Um, that is why Jimmy Johnson was my favorite driver growing up. And 
obviously when Bubba got on the scene as well. Um, and I've built a good, a great relationship with him over the last little bit. He's been extremely helpful and really instrumental in my career to the point where I'm at now. Um, and I think besides that, um, that's who I really liked growing up. Um, then nowadays it's weird because now I have like relationships and like, like ties to people that race on TV now. And it's kind of weird. Like, for example, like we're Nick and I were watching the Daytona cup race in August or whatever. And it was weird because I was like, okay, I want these people to win. But then I was like, wait, I know like half of the guys that are on that box. I know all of the 43s pit crew. Like it's, it's weird. Cause like, I have like, like there's people I think of humans versus the car number of the driver, right. That's on TV. So right. I would say now I don't really know who I pull for. I would say just because like whoever, has a good run i'm like all right i know some of those people i'm happy for them or if people don't have a good run and it's like ah no they've been working hard but um that's racing yeah so. yeah yeah i mean that's a good point did you ever collect die casts as a kid growing up oh my god yeah. yes <laughs> yes oh, all right. yes i have to say i probably have as a driver i have the most extensive die cast collection in history i i will bet because i've got a good little collection going in north carolina but back in dc in storage and in my old room let me tell y'all i've got a pretty extensive collection like hidden away in boxes and stuff i, well, now, I know that oh, yeah go ahead first <laughs> my favorite die cast. first mm. i'll be done I'm, i swear and i'm i'm mad because i used to lose them a lot when i was a little kid and I had some really fire ones. I think one of my favorites was the 2011 Jimmy Johnson Foundation one. And it was like gray and blue, like silver and blue. Mm. I love that. Car. Right. And I, I, yeah. I wanted that 2009 one too, that he drove at Fontana, but I, I just never got that. Um, I had an 07 Harvick All-Star win. I lost that one too. Man, I could send you that one. I got that one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I got that one. I got the little hood to go with it. Yeah. Really? It, from the, like the winter circle that they sell the yeah. store? I, it's just sitting in a box somewhere. I'll send it to you. Nice. Yeah, sure. Um, trying to think. I like the, I had a Bobby Labonte, um, 43, I think it was Cheerios. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The blue um, and yellow. Yeah. Yeah. With the spoon on the side. So, yeah. Um, those are my favorite die casts that I had growing up. I had, and two other ones. I had a uh, the you know the little platinum 164s that had the hoods open. So mm-hmm. I had the Tony Stewart Old Spice and uh, Office Devo combo. Also probably destroyed those two cars too. But I was like ten. So yeah, um, I mean you, they're meant to be played with. Yeah. So so I want to you you said you have a collection to be rubbed with. So I know you've spoken to my dad because he was the one that kind of got you on here. He's kind of our PR guy. He's, he knows basically the whole Xfinity garage, which you're going to be a part of next year. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But um, something people might not know unless they heard the episode where we talked to my dad. Uh, he has probably around 3,000 164 scale cars. Oh, so, I ain't got that many. Yeah. That so, many. so we have got to get you guys together so that you can uh, you can talk about diecast. I mean, that man is a diecast encyclopedia. We even have an eight by six table where we uh, we roll dice and race the cars and it's very competitive 
and it's very good for later in your life That's when you can, um, you can have fun with friends and adult beverages. Um, <laughs> man, I'm going to be drinking um, chocolate milk for like the duration of my life, man. I mean, Colton <laughs> drinks chocolate milk every time that we get on. So um, That's chocolate milk in there? Nice. Died. Yeah, it would be chocolate milk in this, but it's water because we're racing this weekend. So I'm being mature and responsible and hydrating. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I drink chocolate milk every week. I, yeah, I'm yeah. so glad that we got you on because, man, I did not realize you were such a super fan because you like fit in right in with us. So, right. That yeah. Is, that is a super fan is a, is a, I have a pretty abnormal, I guess, database of knowledge in my head. Okay. Question. <laughs> Did y'all ever have that book, the NASCAR, the complete history of the yes. encyclopedia by Greg yes. Fielden? I have read that. Like 12 times. Oh, so dude. I've got, yes, two, I got that for the first time. Christmas well, 2009. Two, and the original, the original copy, this one only went to 2006, but this oh. copy, I still have it in DC. That thing is like destroyed because I used to take it to school. I took it to school a couple times. I would read it when I was like on the toilet at dinner, bro. Like I would take it on trips. Like, yeah, that thing. I read that cover to cover. Right. And like I could tell you every cup champion until like 1979, like the the amount of, I guess, knowledge and stats I learned from that, as you know, Colton is pretty insane. Mm -hmm. And it'll be weird because like Mark Green will ask me like, stuff that i wasn't alive about and i'll be like oh i know what that what that is yeah. and then he's like how do you know i was like oh i read about it so man i love that i mean you know nathan's basically our encyclopedia on history of racing I mean, and and yeah that's that's i mean we're all super passionate about it and it's cool that that that, that there's someone you know who's actually driving in the sport and it's basically just a representative for super fans like the rest of us Man, that is so that is so cool. Um, I did want to ask you because you said this uh, earlier, and it kind of dated me because I was in Charlotte the week after the premiere of this movie. But you said Cars got you into the movie, uh, or got you into the series, the movie. Like, how how was it? Because at that time we had Herbie Fully Loaded and Talladega Nights come on at the same time. I mean, what is it about Cars that got you into the real race cars? So, I guess context. I didn't get allowed to watch Talladega Nights till I was like twelve. Um, I didn't watch Herbie Reloaded yeah. <laughs> when it first came out, but I, I eventually watched Herbie Reloaded because I remember they had because Jeff Gordon was in it and stuff and Jeff Gordon. Um, but so I was four when that movie came out, so I don't really remember seeing uh-huh. it. But I was, yeah. I was taken to the theater to watch it. I'm told this by my parents, and I guess I liked it. Um, I watched Cars 2 when it came out in theaters. I watched Cars 3 when it came out. Funny story, when we saw Cars 3, so my parents and my little sister, say little, she's only two years younger than me. She's still my little sister. Um, They went and saw like Wonder Woman or something. And I chose to go and watch Cars 3 when we went, we all went to the movies. So um, oh, yeah. I think oh, yeah. that, that kind of paints that picture. So man, like I love the franchise. Like I, as goofy as it sounds, I learned some stuff from from that movie, from the the character arc of Lightning McQueen, of the things that he does did and does, and the importance of having a being humble and having a support system and um, having friends and remembering where you came from and like being grateful and all the useful things of that come with, 
I guess being a professional professional athlete. Um, and yeah, I like literally played it like the other day. Like I would say, Cars and Speed Racer were two movies that really helped me, or really oh, yeah. had me in the racing world. So people sleep. Even though Speed, Speed Racer, Racer wasn't NASCAR, but yeah, yeah was I literally, bro. Answer. I rewatch. I watched Speed Racer on the way to Bristol last week. Hell yeah! <laughs> and the Hell graphics yeah. were so ahead of its time, right? Man. Like I was thinking about, yeah. like, bro, this came out in two thousand eight. Like this is this is tough. And I have right. like I bought it on Apple TV. I was playing on my phone, like, you know. Yeah, and I guess um, I guess this is a more serious follow up. But you mentioned the guys like Bubba are mentoring you and stuff like that. And I kind of wonder, as someone who hasn't got to experience this yet in what I want to do for a living, you know, do you ever pinch yourself and say, hey, look, this is, you know, this is a guy at the top of his game that's mentoring you and taking the time out of his day just to give you advice for your future? Yeah, I have to remind myself that every day um, just because of, like, you know, the I have a pretty good relationship with Bubba, with Corey LaJoy, with um, – um, I mean, the list goes on. Like I did an event with Cole Custer and Justin Haley like a couple days ago, right? Like having relationships with these guys that have made it to where you want to be is surreal because you really go into hyper analysis mode and try to see like, all right, what can I do to get where they're at? Like what information can they give me that'll help me along the way? And you could probably ask all of them. It's probably annoying for the amount of questions I ask them. Like I ask Corey and Bubba every week about notes for, for Bristol, for the fairgrounds, for Dover, for Martinsville, right? Like just not um, just obviously because I'm still new. Like um, I I got in contact with Kyle Larson a couple months ago, literally like that afternoon. I asked him, like, All right, can you tell me about Pocono, about Kansas, after, about Bristol, Dover, all the places. So um, it is – it's surreal because it's just like, okay, well, now when you watch them on TV, like you – you don't see the car, you see the person. And so um, you have a personal tie. Uh, like for example, at, at Daytona, right? Watch that race, I was like, like I was hoping Corey would have, Corey Bubba would have won because I've got a relationship with not only Corey, but a couple of people that work at Spire. And I've gone over there a couple of times and met Latard, met Denowitz, met um, Catherine, like, you know, met Sparks, like all, a lot of guys that are over there in Bellacourt and um, on top of obviously Bubba and knowing Freddie and Craig and, and everybody at, or some people over at 2311, like um, it is surreal to have those relationships with those, with those people because like you said, Nathan, like you watch them on TV, they get paid to, to drive race cars or be a part of the, the industry. So it is pretty surreal, but um, at the same time, like it, it kind of just focus focuses me more because um, I want to be where they are, they are, and competing against them, and so um, kind of just going to hyper analysis and see what I can do to get there. Right. So, um, so you talked about all these guys, um, uh, specifically uh, Bubba Larson and those guys when we talked about Rev Racing earlier tonight, and you said they pretty much had their story told to them beforehand because they're they're already making deals with Gibbs uh, or or um, or Ganassi in Larson's case, and 
I said I'd get to it later in the show, but you're going Xfinity Racing next year. You're not going Xfinity Racing full-time. You're going to be sharing the seat with Tommy Joe Martins and Cesar Bascarella at their new Alpha Prime Racing team. Um, how exactly is that going to be for your career? What are your goals there? Is it just to get laps, or is it to make Roger Caruth a name that wants to be taken seriously for a full-time ride in that series? So I think, Alex, it's uh... – I think the goals for next year, I think the approach doesn't change from for me personally, just because like me and Mark have the same goals every race. It's run all the laps and learn all you can and be there at the end, right? Like no matter if it's a legend car race or if it's this weekend's big race, whether it's was the ARCA championship at Bristol before or when we go race our Xfinity races next year, right? The, the approach doesn't change from my standpoint, but the goal next year is not only to to learn um, and and get my first steps in national series and really the length of those races, which is something I struggled with at the beginning of this year, um, but really just to, I guess, make myself a little bit more, I guess, prove myself to to Chevrolet to to larger large sponsors. Right, we've got some good partners that are lined up that are going to cover our Xfinity races next year, but that's just for next year. Right. And um, like you said, Alex, like I don't have I'm not aligned with anybody. I don't have my career really planned out. I don't have to not like it's it's my dad and I that kind of work together on on getting these deals done. And um, it's not a situation of, all right, it's already planned out for the next five years. I can just drive. Right. It's it's not that. And I think that's that's good and bad because it's. You obviously want to be able just to 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 just have to drive and not worry about all right. When's the next time I'm, I'm going to race? What what's this, that, and the other? Like where are these? How are these expenses getting covered? Um, but at the same time, that makes me more appreciative of when I get to do opportunities and get into eventually top tier equipment. Right? Like it'll make me more appreciative and understand what it took to get there. So I think once I get to hopefully drive. Um, whether it's a case where Alpha Prime Racing is racing for top fives in Xfinity, whether it's racing for Dale Jr. or Richard Childress, whether it's going to track house, whether whatever the case may be, when I'm able to be in top tier equipment and and fully funded and uh, or not to say what I'm in isn't fully funded, but to be in 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 the best of the best stuff. I can take the most advantage of it and I can understand it and be grateful for it. So um, I think that's all I got to say on, on that note. So I did want to touch on a comment that we had in the chat here. Um, to preface, this is my girlfriend. She has a lot different views about racing in general than I do because she's kind of a new fan. I've kind of brought her into this. Um, same, same, with mine. Know, same with mine, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she wants to know, Knowing that you can look up to people who mentor you, what advice would you give to kids who look up to you? And I'm going to be completely honest. People ask me that before, like multiple times. And I find it very like surreal because like I'm like I'm 19, but I'm still kind of like a developing young man. Like I find it weird when people say people are looking up to you. I still really don't believe it. Like it's just kind of weird. Um, 
And so I think to have people that I can look up to, it means a lot because when I can build relationships with them, it, it makes me feel good because they, they, for in some capacity, see some worth and potential in me. And so if I can some way um, be that for somebody else, I feel like that's important to pay it back in that regard. Um, that's yeah. what I try to do with my teammates at Rev. Um, and yeah. Yeah. yeah so I kind of wanted to add to a, a little bit of Cheyenne's question. So um, obviously going into tonight, other than just articles and your website, I didn't know too much about you other than what I've seen on, on some of the broadcasts of ARCA and the ARCA E-Series. You seem to be a very humble young man, and I, I just want to say I appreciate that you are so level-headed and and kind of not, not I won't say not aggressive or whatever because obviously you aggressively drive race cars, otherwise you wouldn't have made that save Thursday night. But, but coming out and being such a well-rounded human being, I mean, how – how do you deal with stuff that are that are shortcomings? Because every person has them. Obviously, the three of us do. But you coming out here, being you know a track star, being you know playing basketball, having having you know the passion that you do about the sport. You come into the sport. You're you're very humble. You're level headed. You're not thinking above where your you know stuff is. Your expectations are just to go out there and, and do better than then maybe, you know, people like us in the stands would think you are. And you're not going out there to showboat or anything like that. But there's got to be something in your mind that you can do better. What is that, and how do you deal with that shortcoming? Um, I probably don't deal with shortcomings the best way, as <laughs> my lovely girlfriend would tell me. Um, that's something I probably need to work on in terms of just not bottling up like frustration or feelings that I have. Um, but I think when things don't go ideally, whether it's on the racetrack or personally or professionally, like I, I really just try to be, to stay committed and focused and remember the why, remember my why. And um, I think that's, that's all it is. Um, and that's kind of how I, I do with that. And I think, for the most part, I try to stay as, as you said, Alex, as as level-headed as I can, just because, um, I mean, it's no point to to throw a fit about stuff, especially if it's out of your control. Like, what's the point? You're wasting energy. Your your energy. You're wasting time. You're making yourself look immature. So, that's kind of my thought process on that. Um, I kind of forgot the second part of your question. Um, could you repeat it, Alex? Please. Uh, I mean, it was basically um, a, an extension of her question, but like, what were the shortcomings that you you personally have, and how do you feel about it? I think you pretty much got it, unless you think you have something else to add. We're we're, we're all ears. Um, I think it's just as 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 most people tend to have, whether it's professionally, academically with doing chores, right? Like procrastination is a thing that people suffer or not suffer through, but deal with. And now um, there's no different for me, whether it's putting away, putting off homework till the night it's due, whether it's letting dishes sit in the sink, whether it's letting a bag of laundry sit on the floor, like any other people 
people do, um, whether it's putting off cleaning my late model till like the week of the race. Like there's um, things that I know I need to work on. There's there's things that I know I need to work on um, in that department and communicating with with people close to me and um, just being growing up and uh, just people skills and, um, you know, normal stuff, man. It's uh, and I think I just try to not be close minded, not think I know it all and um, just try to ask the people that I trust and um, imp- work on improving myself. Yeah, that, I mean, well said, I think, I think myself included, we've all got stuff that we, we just don't know how to deal with. And you might have called me out on some of the things that you said. Uh, so I'm not going to take that too much. But uh, um, so I guess, before we leave, right, um, I, I, I do want to continue the conversation. It's been kind of back and forth with the seriousness and, and mm-hmm. a, little, a little bit of having fun. So I do kind of want to kind of get to know you outside of racing a little bit more. We've talked about movies. We've talked about your favorite drivers and stuff. But uh, what, what, are your, what are your other motorsports that you watch in? What are your favorite uh, sports teams? I know you had mentioned watching basketball and stuff. Like, what do you do in an everyday life situation that's outside of the racing? Uh, man, that would sound real boring. I really don't do nothing else besides racing for the most part. Like, when I get up at – I'm supposed to get up at 6, but it usually ends up being at, like, 7 something in the morning, and I go to the shop. And then I'm at the shop, and then I go home, and then I get on iRacing for a certain period of time. And that's that's the most of my days. So I think outside of racing, um, what do I do? Uh, I like watching basketball sometimes. Season's starting up soon. That's awesome. Um, I like hanging out with my girlfriend. I like um, – man, I really don't do that much now that I think about it. Um, it's usually I'm at a racetrack, whether I'm racing or Nick's racing or one of my late model teammates or – um hanging out with with mj or uh doing something else i mean i I really don't do that much stuff man <laughs> um that just kind of called me out um yeah <laughs> i really don't do that much besides hey, racing that's, that's fine I i'm mean, you're, pretty you're pick, busy. picky I'm, eater I'm, too you're a picky well, eater i'm a picky eater I we just argued about that like before you came on we did yes, i'm such a picky eater everybody on, gets on take me. my side my family, my team, everybody's just like, you got to eat more stuff. And I'm like, eh, yeah, well, well then, guys, ask him, ask him the question. You, you were the yeah. two, Colton, like, you go. Like, this is okay. Thank we'll, you, we'll thank get... you, whoever just commented in the section. Chicken tenders for the winners. I had yes. for an hour. There's one more semi serious one, well, pretty serious one we'd like to get to in the chat. But first off, yeah, we were arguing about this. All right. I like canes. Canes are good, right? Raising canes. That's good chicken tenders. I am not going to go to a restaurant. Shout out Todd Graves. Sorry. I am not going to go to a restaurant to order chicken tenders. What is wrong with you? Specifically to a restaurant that serves chicken tenders. You're a picky eater, so you're not going to be on my side here. Oh, come on. Man. Everyone's going to be on my side. You see the stank face I'm making at you? Right I, I see it. That's <laughs> the chicken tenders. I, it doesn't matter how old you are. If they're good, Thank they're good. you. Thank you. They're good. I go to Applebee's, to Outback, to um, 
I mean, Chili's, Texas Roadhouse, Longhorn yeah. Steakhouse, Red oh. Lobster, Olive Garden, bro, is chicken tenders on site. But see, man, I here's can't. the thing, though. Here's the thing. Sometimes the places bread them a little bit different. So, like, for example, you know, your right. Buffalo Wild Wings, your Outback, mm-hmm. your Red Lobsters, it's more of like a chip-type batter. It, it works. It's good. I get ranch always. But the batter that really smacks is the one they use at Applebee's because um, it's like it's a mix between a chip, but it's also a little bit solid and comes with ranch. Mint. Man, we're going to we're gonna agree to disagree. I'm agreeing with yeah. him on this one. Like, Man, Apple, I guess it's have like free listen, chicken Col- you know what it is? It's because they're the young guns, right? They're, 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 they haven't right. quite developed fully into men. So they oh, can't really? expect anything. Point it out. I have a certain amount of hairs on my chest, so I am developing ah, okay. into a man. Yeah, like we're not just close. We're there. Well, you'll fu- you'll fully get there when you order a steak at one of those steak restaurants you just talked about. You're Bro, talking about I'm going to Roadhouse, and you get a and you get and you get chicken tenders. Listen, I was on the side of Nathan when it came to chicken tendies being a whole restaurant in Raging Canes. I love stuff like Zaxby's. I love going Zaxby's and getting nice, the chicken sir. tenders, you know, from from uh, KFC or whatever in their tender box. But man, if I'm going to a sit down restaurant, I'm not ordering chicken tenders. I'm sorry. Thank you. All right, that was my point it's, mainly. I mean, y'all but can do what you want, but picky like, eaters are different. I'll agree with that. I used to be a super super picky eater. I you, agree. You grew up. However, ah, I'm throwing shade on you guys. Yet. I don't know if Bro, I'll I'm, a, I'm a college yeah. kid. I don't need five star dining. Thank you. Okay. There, high like, five. I'm fine. The two I'm and the five are the same age. The two at the top right. are the same age. All right. Yes. We don't I'll need to. We can eat the same thing forever and not die. We're good. I'll take the L. I'll take the L. Yeah. I, mean, I know. I, I know. I... We did have Man. a good one in the chat, Nate. I know this is the last one yeah. where I was on. Um, Nate, you did have a follow-up, um, but Basham Z 45 wants to know, what advice would you give to someone trying to get into racing? So I've gotten this question a good amount of times now, and I would say, because this is a hard question, because unlike like basketball, football, you know, sports that are purely based off of athletic prowess, like Aside from gym- gymnastics and stuff where you got to go to meets and stuff and that costs money. But we're saying for like basketball, soccer, sake, football, track, baseball, tennis, whatever, baseball, right? You can go and work on your craft, right? You can go to the gym at, you know, six in the morning. You can go work out after practice and do stuff like that. Whereas with racing, like you can't do that, like. Um, and it's hard because you've got to really pay to do that stuff, especially if you're not born into it. So, like, um, my best advice is just to um, just look at how people have gotten to the points where they've at now. Uh, you're good, Kevin. <laughs> um, and then, uh, for example, um, before I got on iRacing in 2018, my dad and I sat down and looked at, like, all right, how did these people go cup racing? How are these people at this point now? All right, and we looked at, we saw bandos, saw legend cars, iRacing, karting, um, you know, the whole nine yards. And um, basically, um, the my biggest, I guess, piece of advice to somebody that wants to go racing is, is uh, look at the ways that people that have gotten there 
and assess the assets that <laughs> assess assess the assets that um you have available to yourself and um just make the make the most of what you have um luckily i or i guess luckily or un unluckily i didn't really have any connections to go racing at Southside at Shenandoah or Dominion growing up um, I was just able to fortunate to um, raise money to, to get on iRacing um, and get into the, the driver diversity program and that to, to wrap up I would say that the most important thing I could say to someone that wants to get into racing is just look at how other people have gone there um, and evaluate what assets you've got what what is available to you? Do you live close to a, a dirt track for, for karting? Do you live close to a go-kart track? Do you live close to a quarter mile short track for quarter midgets, legend cars, bandos? Um, look at what's available to you and just try to make the most of it and work on social. Social is a thing that I kind of, I like, but I don't like because it helped get me to where I'm at now. But at the same time, like I hate the power that it has for negativity, but it also has mm -hmm. power for positivity. So it's a double-edged sword there. Yeah, and I guess to follow up with that, um, you know, I've been getting more and more into karting lately. It's probably the most cost-effective way for me to, to have yeah. fun for a hobby. And, you know, when you look at that, I was wondering if you had any advice for somebody that's kind of stepping out of rental cars, getting into like 206s and whatnot. Um, you know, is there anything you have for somebody that wants to kart for a hobby or just, I just like the hobby because it's fun. You know, it makes you take your fitness more seriously and stuff like that. So I just wanted to know what you had for someone like us that just does it for fun so man i don't know nathan like i haven't really looked at it from an, a, a perspective of of just doing it for fun i mean i feel like if you do something for fun that that takes away the competitive side of it so that is good and bad like that right. means like, it's I'm not cutthroat but at the same time like i guess right 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 but like, sometimes people slow. Right, exactly. And sometimes people purely race because they want to beat other people. So it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah, guilty so, sometimes. Right. So, man, I don't know. Like, I feel like at the moment right now, like I race almost always just because I really enjoy it. Um, and I feel like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm good at it. And I am in love with the sport and I'm obsessed with it. And now I've fallen in love with driving in it as well. And so I think that is partially why I do it. And now I'm getting to the point where I do enjoy the competition. I do enjoy when things go right and, and beating people. And I don't like it when I don't win. And it's annoying because racing it like most sports yeah. is a losing sport. So um, I hope I answered your question, Nathan. Oh, I feel like I jumped around sure. a little bit. Like, I think you did. I think you hit the nail on the head. I've always said that it's really fun to compete, not just to drive. Like, my motto is just control what you can control because it's racing. Yeah. And sometimes things happen that you can't really control with like your equipment or how the race works out. So exactly. I, don't know. I just want to enjoy every minute of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as uh, we come to a little close here, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you had uh last minute travel changes and, and everything like that. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, it has been a wonderful show. Um, I, I I know that uh, learning about you, seeing, like I said earlier, how humble you are, uh, it's been a, re a really an enjoyable uh, evening for me. Uh, and knowing that there's actual super fans out there, not just guys who want to beat other guys, 
um, on the track makes me happy because NASCAR nerds are a thing and we're strong. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, yeah. So th- thank you, you, Alex. Thank, thank y'all for having me on, man. Like I said, I apologize for the tardiness. I was not like 12 hours ago. I was not thinking that we were going to drive to Martinsville today, but yeah, here we are. So um, yeah. thank you for having me on, man. Like, like you said, Alex, nope. it's uh, it's weird because like people are racing against don't really have that same appreciation i would say for the sport and it's kind of weird because i'm just like all right then why are y'all doing it like what's the point so right exactly yeah yeah well hell yeah do you have any sponsors or anything that you need to plug before we uh hop off here um yeah i mean um events dc um ttlr they've helped me personally I have a really a laundry list, not a laundry list, but a, a good grocery list of, of of sponsors from back home that have helped me so far, and I need to work on memorizing that because I for, I feel like I remember everybody and then I miss people. Um, so that ADHD, um, bro, it's because of this. So oh, same, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then real life, I racing in Sunoco. They're helping me be able to race tomorrow at, at Martinsville. Um, Max Siegel Incorporated and, and Max um, NASCAR and Draft for Diversity have helped me. Um, and uh, on, above all, I didn't really mention my family as much as I should have, but primarily my dad, like, um, wouldn't be here without him, not just from the, the beginnings of, of setting aside funds to go to races as a fan to now having me in an apartment in North Carolina and um, both dad and mom and uh going to school at winston-salem and i'm very grateful to not only have my parents in my life because a lot of my friends growing up didn't have so didn't have a father figure or a mother figure in their life for various reasons and so to have both of them in my in my immediate family and have them have a strong process and helping me grow as a as an individual and helping give what my sister and i need to needed and need to pursue what we want to do um i'm extremely grateful for that um and dad's at every race that i go to um no matter what he has going on so i'm extremely appreciative of of him my mom my sister my girlfriend um my my aunts and uncles my grandma my little cousins my friends from back in dc like i have to think about it sometimes because sometimes i do feel a little bit secluded and sometimes feel like people don't really get really the the variable in the situations that i'm in but um sometimes people don't have to get it to be empathetic and be there so i'm very appreciative of the people that i have around me um on top of the people at rev as well yeah well we enjoyed you tonight uh coming on here um i do want to say uh for anyone who is watching tonight thank you guys for coming out uh spending about three hours with us tonight we told you we were going to get Raja on. Um, it has been a wonderful episode, man. I mean, I can't say it enough. We appreciate it so much. You are just such a great guy. And anyone who's out here watching, I know we're not doing as much of getting Roger's name out as he is getting our name tonight, but come on, sponsor this kid. You are not going to have a single thing wrong to do uh, to do with him. I mean, the kids, he's, he's, got, he's got everything that you would want uh, as being a race car driver on and off the track. And if you guys want to support him, go ahead, go to Fans Choice TV this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a paid race, but you'll be able to watch the Martinsville Valley Star Credit Union 300 live 
They're on Fans Choice TV. Um, I'm not sure how qualifying nope. is going to work um, for for streaming services, but I'm sure Fans Choice will have it on there. Uh, so go and support him during qualifying. And if you, if he makes the race, let's get him up there in the top 15 or so, um, battling against these uh, super uh, super drivers and and pro stock drivers because uh, it's going to be a hell of a race. Uh, also. As always, follow us on Twitter at FanFuelMSM, capital F, capital F, capital MSM, and go on over to our new website, FanFuelMotorsports.com, to be a part of the action. We want to hear from you. We want to get you on, and uh, thanks for sticking around with, with us and Raja tonight, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>